HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Pokes Spices. Discover flavorful goodness. Learn more at pokspices.org. This week on Meet and 3, we celebrate Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month with an episode about memory. I've always read and sort of approached cookbooks for more than the recipes. To me, they are full of narrative content and narrative value. So Malama Aina basically means to take care of the land. For us as Hawaiians, it's taking care of our older sibling. But I do remember like definitely feeling like self-conscious about it, like being the only one who kind of wasn't eating a sandwich and like didn't have a bag of goldfish or Lunchables. Listen to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Peter Reinhardt, and we're on Pizza Talk, presented by Pizza Quest, where we've been meeting with some of the great pizza luminaries and artisans of all styles. Uh, and today we are really excited to have one of our old favorite friends, Tony Gemignani. Uh, welcome, Tony. Tony, is, uh, you're in San Francisco right now at, in yeah. North Beach, right in the heart of your uh, pizza empire. Of, uh, and we'll hear all about that in a second and, and how it's expanded. But when we last visited with you, Tony, uh, and filmed, it was almost 10 years ago, about 10 years ago, and, and uh, the empire was just sort of getting off the ground. Uh, can you fill us in a little bit what's happened over these last 10 years? Because you're all over the place now. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, it's, it's 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now. You know, it's, it's expanded a lot. You know, when you came into Tony's that time, um, <laughs> I was a lot younger then. <laughs> I think I had a little more hair. Oh, when it came to it, uh, we were offering about five different styles of pizza. Um, that expanded. So right now, when you look at Tony's in its entirety, you have, you have Tony's and Slice Outs that's connected. We now have a coal oven. Uh, we have a rotating Rotaflex oven in the Slice Shop. And then it's actually connected in the back, which uh, where we have a wood-fired now Stefano Ferrara oven in the front. We have a double-stack Marsal's, two double-stack electric ovens. So we have seven ovens going out of Tony's. And if you want New Haven, you know, style pizza out of the coal oven, if you want Roman style pizza out of the electric oven, if you want, you know, Grandma, Detroit, St. Louis. So yeah. it's expanded from those five uh, styles that maybe you had, five to six. Now we're, we're actually on to about 13 styles of pizza at that, at that restaurant. So 
Depending on the style that you like is the right flour, the tomato, the, the oven. That, they go that was what was so notable about the place when we first visited, when you're only doing five and now you're up to all these you know other ones, uh, is that you not only are doing the styles, but you're you're customizing with flour, the right oven, the right, you know, the right ingredients that match that particular style. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, in writing about you a lot, I, I refer to you as the Mozart of pizza because you can work in so many different mediums at the highest level. A lot of people are, you know, are specialists in one particular style, but you really have achieved, you know, the top of the pyramid in all these different styles. And, and, uh, it's prodigious. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, you know, I think you know. Look at it. Looking at it now, it is, there's a, you're, a lot of these guys are accepting more styles. You know, before it was like, okay, I love Chicago. I only love Chicago. I'm a New York. I only do New York. But now you see like guys going into it, New Yorkers saying, oh, I like Roman now. Or what's this Detroit thing that I heard about? So yeah. I feel like the operator has changed quite a bit. They're not so just hardcore this particular style. I, I love pizza. I, if it's done right, I love it. If it's done wrong, I, you know, I still kind of like it. But, but uh, for me in general, I, I love. I've, I've had great Chicago style pizza. I've gone to Detroit. I, I've, I've had Emos at its finest. I've even com- competed and, and uh, judged a lot of the St. Louis champions they have. So for me, a lot of guys say, "No, I'll never go there." But man. If pizza is done right in that right oven, the right ingredients, or you have that right char around the edge and you chisel it out and you made the dough correctly, man, it, it, it is super, super good. So for me, I celebrate every style of pizza. It's just, you know, I always have and uh, always will. Which is pretty cool. But we got into it in a little bit of a discussion the other day with Scott Wiener, who's kind of, you know, again, a pizza a lover of all style. He calls himself a serious pizza enthusiast, uh, of which I think many of us fall. Um, uh, and we were kind of discussing what, how do you even define pizza in that sense? Because you do have the purists like Mike, uh, Mark Iacono, who says, I'm a pizza purist, you know, it has to be these th- things. And then there's others like me who just say pizza is just dough with something on it. How, how would you kind of frame the discussion? Well, I'm a pretty traditional guy. So when it goes down certain routes, uh, you know, there's a traditional side of it. You know, if, if I look at it, like, let's say Detroit style or if I look at a, a New York slice uh, type of pizza, and if you were to say, hey, what would you define a New York slice pizza? Well, I'd say, you know, grande cheese, Stanislaus tomatoes, I would say uh, all trumps, 18-inch uh, cut into six. I mean, I, I would go down that route kind of. Right. But if you're looking at uh, how do you tweak it a little or how do I make it a little better or if I'm having Old Forge, w- would I make an Old Forge, let's say, with starter in it? I, I wouldn't because Old Forge should be dense, uh, same day dough, uh, ready sponge starter in it. It should have a ton of cheese. So I was talking to a guy the other day and he says, Hey, uh, what do you think of this Detroit? He sent it to me and he said, look great. It looks like, you know, there's some structure to it, but it doesn't need to be Roman. Well, what do you mean? Everyone on, on, on the internet is trying to get this, these giant holes. I said, yeah, but that's everybody on the internet. If I went to buddies right now and I went there, I'm not going to be cutting in and be all like, Oh, geez, look at this. It doesn't have any structure in it. I mean, like, Right. So when it comes to me, I'm, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I, I think it should go down the path of, of what it was or where it's at. But if I'm doing California style and I'm trying to Edla do it and I'm grabbing whatever I can out of the fridge and grabbing my barbecue sauce and my chicken and say, okay, maybe cilantro on it. California style has always been innovative, uh, experimental, multi-grains. Uh, so right. me right. being in California, what's in the farmer's market? I'm going to grab it and make this awesome kale and, and, and almond pizza, 
when it comes to it, I, I think California can be that style that's innovative. And then, you know, Neapolitan should be 900 degrees, yeah. tarred, chewy, wet. In other words, you're saying like, like the styles can vary, but within that style, there is a tradition and a maybe a, a rubric that is important to follow. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm a little bit of both, honestly. I, I am a traditionalist. And if I do have a margarita and I go in and this guy's just hardcore margarita, whatever, he's a VPN or APN or whatever, and I eat his pizza and the guy has a California maybe tomato on it that, that is better and maybe sweeter. I may say, you know, it's awesome, but I, I don't really taste that 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 taste that I want to taste. It's a yeah. good example is having a New Yorker try a pastrami on rye. I always say, okay, a pastrami and rye I had it. What cheese should be on a pastrami and rye? What cheese would you say? Me, personally, I, Swiss cheese. Swiss, okay. I had a pastrami and rye with Monterey Jack. Yeah. I ate it. And yeah. I'm like, okay, what do, you, what do you think of that? It's great. I love Monterey Jack. But it's not really the flavor profile that I want. Right. Well, right. What do you mean? It's delicious. No, I, I kind of want to have Swiss. Well, well, why? Because that's how it should be. That's my association so, with that. Yeah. Thing. So, so okay. there's certain associations that if you've gone to Detroit, I didn't, didn't just Google it. And if I went to St. Louis or I went to Naples and I went to Don Michele and I ate it or Starita and I, okay, this is what it feels like. There's a, there's a flavor profile that if I labeled it this, it should taste like that. And sometimes people say, oh, well, this is a better ingredient. It, it's just better. I say, yeah, but it's not really the right ingredient for the flavor profile I, I want to taste. Right. And the analogies of kind of comparing it to like, you know, that pastrami and rye is something I kind of tend to do, especially in New York. I'll say, Monterey Jack, are you nuts? Right. <laughs> I'll say, right. Well, I just want to give that analogy because you know, in that comparison. So, yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And and it's, a, and it's sort of one of those endless debates and arguments because some people will say, hey, if you like it, you know, it's okay to break the rules. And other people are going, yeah, but first you got to master the rules. And, sure. Yeah, and so, I, I, I kind of see that yeah. as like, yeah, I'm, I'm like that. And, 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 you know, I do do a little twist on like, like when you look at my Chicago style, you know, my Chicago style pizza is, 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 is really great. I, I did a lot of research on it. And when you say Chicago I, style, Tony, do you mean the Chicago deep dish style or the Chicago thin crust style? Uh, if I do my Chicago deep dish style, like and if you look at my recipe and when I teach, I use in a, well, now a French style butter. So a higher fat butter. I'm not just grabbing just a standard butter. So uh -huh. do I have a higher butter fat in my dough? Do I blend lard, which is kind of an old technique, and I'm using Sarasota, and I have a little bit of cornmeal in it. In that dough recipe, would you say the fat is higher and better? Yeah. When I make my pizza, uh, my Chicago dish, and it's even in my book, I'll put my ingredients, lay my mozzarella around, uh, I'll put my sausage and ingredients on, and then I'll go to bake it. So uh -huh. everyone will say, well, why aren't you baking it with the sauce on it? And I said, well, because I like to bake my pie, take it out very much like a Detroit style pizza, mm -hmm. cut it and then have my sauce and ladle it on. That's just warmed up. Uh -huh. Why do I do that? That's not really Chicago style. That's not how you should do it. Yeah. Well, is your pizza stronger? Does it come out like a piece of cake and it just sits there? Not a, like a lasagna that overcooked and it just like kind of goes flat on your plate. Uh -huh. it, uh -huh. Is it stronger? Did it cook faster? Is, is it better? And the guys, I think 100% of the time would say, yeah, it's better. Wow, that sauce kind of pops. It's really vibrant. Yeah, the, yeah. the moisture didn't cook down into my pizza and make it a little weak and, and wet. So 
Are there times that I add, you know, an extra step or something that on a line, which guys hate in my restaurant, because you'll get a guy that says, okay, I work at Chicago style. Okay, well, it's a little different here. We're going to make our ingredients, then we're going to cut it, then we're going to put our sauce on. Okay, why are you doing that extra step? Because so actually, you're staying within the flavor profile, you're keeping true to the flavor profile, but you're kind of pushing it to try to like get maximum flavor. Faster profile. pizza, uh, stronger pizza, a more vibrant pizza, less wet pizza. So there's a lot of things over time that I've looked at and I've incorporated. So I'll say, huh, what if I just cook that pie without the ingredients, uh, yeah. with the ingredients, without the sauce? And like I do my Detroit, run those racing stripes over that pizza yeah. after the bake. Why don't right. I do that on my Chicago and see how it comes out? And then you'll do a side-by-side -side comparison. Be all, wow, that, it's not changing really much, but yeah. did I put the sauce on after the bake rather than before? But that's I, really yeah. interesting because it shows you how different styles can have an impact and influence other styles. Uh, for instance, this, this whole idea of using fresh sauce and not baking the sauce on the pizza initially is getting a lot of traction now. It seems to have really begun to affect the, the way, and I think it's been a breakthrough for a lot of people uh, who never had pizza before with fresh sauce on top. Yeah, like uh, the parbake discussion. You know, I had a guy from Canada call me uh, yesterday, and uh, uh, Lloyd Pan said, Hey, this person wants to open up a Detroit style. Will you talk to him? So I get on the phone with him. This cool guy he says, I make pizzas at home. I'm loving it now. I'm not working much, and I'm making all these pizzas. I'm going to open up a Detroit pizza in, in, yeah. in, uh, in Canada. I said, Okay. He goes, so how would you do it? I said, well, you, you do parbake or not? And he says, well, parbake, I don't know. And, and people have the, 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 their thing in their head that parbake is cafeteria style pizza. I'll never parbake a pizza. So I said, look, I, I went and trained in Italy. I went to the Scuola Italiana Pizzaioli. We started doing pan pizzas. And pan pizzas, even in competition in Italy, it, they're par-baked. It, it's 90% it's, it's of every pizza, competitive or how you're trained, is, is par-baked. Interesting. So you par-bake a pizza. Let's just say you're doing a Sicilian. I'm pushing it out. I let it rise. I par-bake it. Let it sit. Take it out. Then top it and put it back in. You can par-bake your pizzas and have a number of them par-baked. So I talked to them saying, okay, well, Let's say you're busy and you want to do 50 pizzas a night. You're not doing it at your home anymore. You actually have a brick and mortar and you need to make pizzas. You have to be fast. He said, yeah, the way I do it now, I can't see it really being that fast. It's not. And I said, how do you seal a pizza and get it uh, less moisture in it? You make it nice and crunchy. It, uh, it supports your ingredients. I said, a parbake, uh, for me, when it comes to like a grandma style, a Roman style, a Sicilian style, Pizza is 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 much better. It's a stronger pie. It's it's crispier, and they hold well. And yeah. how you hold them can go really well. So, you know, a lot of times you look, look at parbake. You have this kind of thing. Like guys will even write hashtag uh, never parbaked. And and if you just have ever done a comparison, it, it's not a bad thing in your mind. You think it's a bad thing, but the proper way to actually get taught or to teach somebody how to make a good or the best pan pizza is, is, is part baked. So you get a, a lot of people that are just anti something and uh, it gets a little annoying because they've never even tried or attempted to even test it to really see w what is better. Yeah. Well, the, you get a notion in your head, you know, about something uh, and, and then it becomes a bias against yeah. 
And then it's hard, to, even when you when you do a side by side, you have to almost blindfold them and say, "Okay, now you tell me exactly. which one is real the parvic, you know." And, and they're and, wondering yeah. why they're getting gum lines, or it's a little wet, or it's yeah. not, you know, they're not getting maybe an oven spring that they want. It's not rising, like like you know, perfect example is Roman style pizzas. You get guys that put their sauce on it really tight to kind of push down that structure out after it's risen. They land it in their oven. And all of a sudden, they land in their oven, uh, a long Roman pizza, and they're getting great structure. And they're like, well, it's, it's weighing it down. Well, why wouldn't you get good oven spring when you have a bunch of toppings on it? It's kind of, you know, it's halfway here, and then I'll do it, and it's just, God, it's so much better without it. Well, most Roman pizzas are white pies that are beautified with ingredients over the top, like copa or whatever. And, and a lot of people just don't understand that you can actually screw up your crumb structure your, your your oven spring from really for add, adding too many toppings or being yeah. too hard or dense with you using ingredients so so yeah there's a lot of trial and error uh, and people don't realize that R&D uh, is so important uh, that's something I've been doing uh, freaking my whole life you're always tweaking you're always fine-tuning things and uh, people don't realize that it's just they it's too easy to just google it now I, I always say that you know it's just I love Google. I'm on it all the time, but really to experience something to be there and looking at Bonchi's place and, and watching them make pizzas in Rome yeah. or really kind of experimenting and going one-on-one and working with it. It's, it's just so valuable to what we do. Uh, I well, think. Well, earlier in the conversation, you threw out a couple of references that many of us are familiar with, but not everybody. So I want to go back and just to those who aren't sure what you were talking about when you said old forge, which is, been around for a long time, and now it's having, again, kind of a rebirth. Old Forge is very hot right now. Can you uh, explain what, what Old Forge is for those who yeah, don't so, know? So um, I always want to make that trek to Old Forge. Uh, in the Pizza Bible, uh, the, the book I wrote, that was one style that didn't get in there, and I mentioned it a little bit. So I called a guy named Tony Saramelli that, at the time, I didn't know him very well, um, and we became great friends. And I said, yeah, I'm going to take a trek. I'm going to be with Scott Anthony. I'm doing a book tour. I'm going all around uh, the country and I need to stop in Old Forge. So he said, okay, you got to go to Lou's um, late name, Mary Lou that's there and uh, try hers out and, and Gennaro's and some of these guys. So we went there and, and, and the famous ones. And that's kind of like the buddies of Detroit is now an Old Forge is in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. It's an Old Forge, Pennsylvania. It's a, it's a style that they say is Old Forge would be considered uh, the pizza capital of the world in this little town that has pizzerias all over the place and they're yeah. all quite different as you go slightly um so the, the dough is it's it's called a, a pizza would be cooked in a tray so you can order a tray um you can get a tray with a sauce on it or a white tray or even actually a stuffed square pizza that has onions over the top and they they, they use onions in their sauce with, with raw chopped onions that they cook in their sauce huh. uh, it's a it's a heavy dense pizza which it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be this big structure to it. It's, it's bready. It goes down the bakery style route pizza that you'd see in a bakery that's cooked on a sheet pan. Um, it's soft to the bite. It's not super crunchy. You're not trying to get that uh, grandma crunch that you have in it. It's sometimes it's cooked in an oil. Sometimes it's even cooked. Maybe sometimes they say in a peanut oil, different mm. oils around. It's a blend of cheeses. So the, the cheese is way over top. So if, if you're a, hardcore purist Roman guy that goes in there to be all, what the heck's this? Yeah. I loved it. I was with the guy and another guy was there and they didn't get it. Some people don't get it. Yeah. Some people just don't understand 
things. And and I tell some people, people will never get some people will never get the St. Louis style or if, no. if you didn't grow up with it and you have it and it's not what you're used to, it's going to like blow your head apart. You know? Yeah, they'll never understand Provel cheese. They don't know why the sauce is sweet. You know, when it comes to St. Louis, right. you know, why is it cut in the square? Why is it in triangles? You know, so. When it comes to this particular style, I loved it. I mean, I, I got it. I, I yeah, wanted more, yeah. and I ate it. Ah, oh, this is great, huh? Is the same day dough? Yeah, a lot of guys buy the dough from the same person that makes it, and they sell it. Some guys make their own dough. So I'm having this pizza that's way too much cheese, dense. As a bread guy, if you're a bread guy, you walk in, you say, "This is all wrong." <laughs> like, this, except that I'm also a cheese guy, so yeah. I don't. The cheese would get me over. Yeah, a lot of bread guys that are like, you know. Guys that walk in, they say, this is this is all wrong. It, for me, it was delicious. They loved it there. I got it. I understood it. And I, I said, okay, this is a very bakery-style pizza. They use ready sponge in it, um, <laughs> really high glue, uh, a, a conditioner to make your dough ready sooner. Um, you know, it was kind of like the things that I w- were taught on how to do things right, right. They were doing it all wrong. I even wrote a story about it and said, this is delicious. And I had yeah. guys next to me that – were kind of purists, you know, yeah. in a bread kind of way, saying like, "This is this is not this is not." It's right. so funny. It's like it's like it's all wrong, and yet it's so right. <laughs> yes, it is. It is, and and I got it. I understood it, and I even had Tony Saramelli come to my. Uh, he came to my school, and I said, "I want you to demo, you know, this pizza to to, to my my uh, course." I had Adam Sachs, who's a bread guy, was in that course and helping me, and he ate. He's all he's all. You know, I'm a bread guy. Everything I look at it, it this is all kind of wrong, but man, it's good. You know, yeah. so he got it. That's the funny and, part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, before we run out of time, uh, because uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, continue this conversation with you, uh, and you know, in the next segment. But uh, I wanted to go back to one other reference you made uh, that that warmed my heart, but a lot of people may not know. And you mentioned Ed Ledoux. Yeah, as you're talking about California style. And I know Ed, well, I wrote about Ed in my in my book also, and and really was very important in the California pizza renaissance. Can you mention a few things about Ed? Yeah, Ed, you know, was one of the first starters of, you know, California-style pizza. You know, anything, everything, kind of went down that chef-driven route. You know, he, he, he would... He would do creme fraiche and salmon, and he would experiment. And before Wolfgang Puck became this guy yeah. in Wolfgang's kitchen was Ed Ledoux. And, and actually, there's a story about Ed Ledoux. Ed Ledoux actually started making pizzas in a place called Frankie Johnny Luigi's. Frankie Ambrosia told me this. He said, yeah, this guy would come, and he made pizzas. And, you know, he was an interesting guy. He actually started working for us. I said, oh, really? Before, you know, he went off to work for – for uh, Wolfgang and all that. He was up in San Francisco, wasn't he, Tony? Yeah, out. yeah. And so he actually worked at a pizzeria, Frankie Johnny Luigi's, which John told me this, because John's a kind of a pizza guy, really uh, a head guy out here in, in, in the West Coast. So Ed kind of went in and he would make pizzas and bring them out. And, and, and you know, he really kind of made Wolfgang a little famous. He, he It was his pizzas that were coming out of that kitchen. I think so that Wolf, Wolfgang never really gave uh, Ed his proper due because Ed created no. the pizza at Spago. Yeah. And then as a result, I think he ended up being stolen away from, from Wolfgang and ended up at California Pizza Kitchen, right? It's very sad. He did. He created several pizzas for California Pizza Kitchen. You look at, you know, Ed and Alice Waters, and if you look at the route she went and what Ed was doing, it was much on the chef-driven bringing pizza out of the box uh, into a chef-driven kind of level and grabbing different ingredients, farm farmer's market ingredients, 
and really bringing it to a different level. And so when it came to Ed, I, I met him a few times over the years. I think he had, was it Coyote Pizza? What was the name of his? Yeah, name? yeah, Coyote, yeah, yeah Coyote, Coyote Canyon or something Coyote, like yeah, that. Something, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, in uh, LA, yeah. Your he Laura had a friend. cool concept he was trying to do, and he got sick uh, towards the end of his life, and it yeah. and it, it happened a little suddenly, I think. And he was, was a guy that really was working on a book, I think, at the time. You know, yeah, California Pizza, and he, um, he's a great man, and, and, and he doesn't get a lot of props like he should, exactly. and I feel, always felt bad for that. And, and he would even talk to me. And he, there's some actually videos about him on, on a painter painting a paint, painting on a canvas, and that painter didn't sign it. And those paintings went off to sell for millions of dollars. And was he the guy that created that art? And did it go off and those guys made millions? It was, and it yeah. did. Yeah. And he was always exactly. kind of saying that I was an artist, I believe he said, I was an artist back in the day that made a lot of things that were super creative and people made millions off of it. I just didn't happen to sign my name to that. And it's sad that it didn't happen. Well, but I'd love to talk about all of this for forever with you because we could just keep going down memory lane on all these things. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, what I'd like to do also is talk a little bit about how you've made the pivot in this age of COVID. And because I know that you've got, and you've had to pivot with each restaurant in a different way. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about your work at the school where you're training the future sure. pizza, all those. And so uh, uh, I'm going to ask all of you to come back and join us on Pizza Talk, presented by Pizza Quest. We're with Tony Gemignani, the Mozart of pizza. And we're, we're thrilled to have him. And we're going to continue this conversation when we come back and join us then. This episode was brought to you by Poke Spices. The company's founder, Abna Foley, was born in Ghana, West Africa, to a farmer father who taught her how to blend the West African holy trinity of hot peppers, ginger, and onion. She developed Poke Spices to help American consumers discover the flavorful goodness of West Africa through the Poke Spices spicy seasonings. Developed without any MSG, sugar, and preservatives, the award-winning Poke Spices seasonings can be sprinkled here and there to give your meals that extra kick. Learn more at pokspices.org. Welcome back, Tony. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm going to take credit for this in the future when you are known by everybody as the Mozart of pizza. In fact, I, I want to get a t-shirt made with you and tossing a pizza, but looking like Mozart with a Mozart wig on and stuff like that, because <laughs> I think that's going to be the next one. But, oh, man. Uh, and one of the reasons why I think that you're so important, not only because of your own work and all the awards that you won as a, you know, as a pizza master, but, uh, your work now really has moved into uh, the realm that, that I kind of refer to as, as Yodi realm. The Yodas of pizza are the, are the mentors of the next generation. And you're already beginning to spin out some great talent through your own school and from people who work with you and have moved into that you know, mentor phase of your career. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the school and, and your vision for the future of pizza. Yeah, you know, oh, about 15 years ago, uh, when you're starting to compete in Italy, I mean, I was been competing in Italy for over 20 years, but about 15 years ago, all these schools were around in Italy and, and you really never heard of a school in the U S uh, there was only one. And it was a, the VPN was doing their Neapolitan training. So I was this guy in the circuit from the U S 
And they were trying to branch out into Brazil and all these other countries. So they, a lot of guys asked me, hey, can we open up this chapter of a school? So I, I went to Italy, visited three schools. And the school that I love was this school called the Scuola Italiana Pizzaioli. And uh, they were in the north. And, and a lot of instructors like Graziano Bertuzzo were, were instructors. They have several over Italy. What I liked about it was that they had a, a book. And it wasn't just about a book of recipes, which schools had. They actually had the science behind the dough and, and bread and, and, and understanding uh, simple sugars, complex sugars, uh, alpha amylase. So, so, so I was like, okay, this is a real school. It's not just giving me a bunch of recipes. So I took their courses. I got my master credentials. And I, I came back to the U.S. And when I came back to the U.S., I said, okay, I want to teach a pizza in the pan. I want to teach classic pizza, Roman pizza. And, and this is what I was taught. But man, I, I think American style pizzas are, are going to be on the rise one day. And, and I think that's going to be as popular as Neapolitan was mm -hmm. because back then Neapolitan was kind of getting popular. So I said, I'm going to go and, and research Neapolitan myself. Pan's important because I researched that and I, and, I, and I got my credentials there. So I, here I was this guy that got certified Italy wanted me to open a school and I did I got certified in, in three so it's Roman style pizza and pala pizza and teia, which is in the pan and then pizza classica I wasn't this Neapolitan certified guy and I didn't go to the VPN and learn <clears throat> I did my own tests on my side and I said you know when I'm going to open up this school I think New York should be as celebrated as Neapolitan I think Detroit should be there I think I should add a St. Louis class down the line so I wanted my school to have everything, not just one style. And this is my flower. And this is the mixer you need to use it. If you really went to schools a lot and, and investigated them, they're, they're just like, it's, it's backed by a, maybe a flower company or certain things are a little behind. Yeah. I wanted my students to choose. So yeah. here I was, this guy, I went to Naples. I competed in the Neapolitan, the World Pizza Cup. I ended up winning in the Neapolitan as a non-certified pizza maker. That's kind, kind of mind-blowing in its own right, wasn't it? It was pretty insane uh, when that happened, but there was reasons for me behind that because I said, you know, now I'm going to do my school in San Francisco. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be in Little Italy. I'm going to have all these ovens. And you can't say I don't know how to make Neapolitan pizza if I won your cup. Yeah. yeah. Here are so my certifications from A better way of getting credentials is by just is winning the World Cup. It was automatic. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, you know, so yeah. that was kind of like my – thing to say, you know, I, I'm going to do it my way when it comes to Neapolitan. I, I'm going to share with you, you know, what I learned in Italy and, and start giving certifications. And we're also going to have New York, Chicago and all this. So the, here was this one of a kind school that did everything like the restaurant is. Yeah. And I started teaching uh, oh, 11, uh, 12 years ago, even before Tony's open. I was teaching in Manteca at Cupone. Uh, the Capone Oven Company. I was actually doing courses out of there for a year while Tony's was being built. So actually for, for about 12 years, and I started, I started certifying some amazing talent. I mean, guys that you hear now, you're like, wow. It's like if you hear of, you know, VO313, uh, Austin, the Detroit-style pizza, you know. Terrific place, yeah. the guys, The brothers, um, I, I, Jeff Smokovich uh, from Blue Pan, uh, came Ann Kim from Minnesota uh, wanted to learn a Bianco and she wanted a Pepe's infusion. This is what I wanted to do. And 
her and I were working on recipes on, on, on multi times, not, not just like she came to my school once. She, she actually came back several times. So you have Audrey Sherman that opened up um, and you're looking at like Will Grant uh, and you're looking at all these guys that kind of came from the school. And yeah, these were people, uh, men and women that just had it in them. It had that passion. You know, you, you know, as well as I do, I can teach somebody a trade, but it's really up to them to really bring it to a exactly. level that is, is, is there. And, and like some doctors become great and others don't. You know, it, it's very much like a college. You know, you're going to teach somebody something and it's up to them to do it 10,000 times to be great at it, maybe 100,000 times or maybe 10 times. And they just have it in them. Um, yeah. You know, I always say there's a student like Audrey Sherman. Um, it's Audrey's Pizza Garage. She was a student that almost never touched pizza. And we're teaching people how to open a pizza out. Okay, this is what you do. You take your dough out. It's hydrated. Be careful with it. Dust it. Here, push. This is how you push out. You can do it this way. You could square it up. And this girl came around. I say, girl, she was a, she was a young girl at the time, and she opened up this pizza like it was opening up a pizza, like you know, like like it was like something that was blew me away. And she it's had, like you know, she had the touch. Huh? She had. It. And some people have it, and I had chefs, you know, Michelin star chefs trying to make a pizza, and they're holding it like it's with gorilla hands, and, and they don't have a touch. They could saute on a line, bang it out on a Friday night, but it, yeah. they're taking twenty minutes just to stretch a pizza, and they got gorilla yeah. hands. So it's interesting to see that in certain operators or pizza makers. Um, that come into the school. And I've been lucky enough to really train some of the finest pizza makers now that, that uh, it, it's just, you know, my dad was a coach. I played soccer. A lot of guys kind of come to me in the industry. They used to say, why do you compete? You know, who's going to tell you your pizza is bad? You, you think it's good. I said, there's nothing like being in an area. Uh, you're, you're out of your comfort zone. You're not in your pizzeria. You have one shot. You're working on an oven you never cooked at. It's not air conditioned. It's an environment that's terrible. I made my dough in my hotel room two nights ago. I brought my pre-ferment from US. I have this one shot. I'm making the best pizza I could make in my life. And you adapt to conditions. You're understanding, yeah. wow, this oven's too hot. What do I do? Hmm, this is a weird area. Should I stage my dough longer or do I put it back in my cooler, which is a handheld cooler that I rolled into this competition? I had to become better at that moment. And I gave them this pizza in front of them and they looked at it and they ate it, they inspected it and they're trying it and they're critiquing it. And I'm this guy that I, I'm better than you, but no, I'm not. You, I have to respect it and get judged on it. So yeah. sometimes as an operator, as an owner, we tend not to get out of our comfort zone and to get into that, it sometimes makes me a little better. Well, my dad was a coach. I always needed to be faster, you know, run faster, be better, you know, be more aggressive. So there's this competitive mentality. So for me, if I'm coaching somebody and I'm teaching them something and to see them shine and win or do well or have multi-units, it's just, it's really exciting for me. It's just more rewarding to see somebody win than me winning myself because I'm just seeing Laura Meyer go up there and just kill it. And people that have worked with me like Tiago or Matt Molina, these guys are like, guys are just amazing pizza making makers, amazing people. And sometimes it just took somebody just to kind of guide them a little bit, help them a little bit, show them some technique 
and they can run with it and become better than I am. That's what's exciting for me. And every, everybody needs coaching, whether they know it or not, or whether they accept it or not. Some people are more coachable than others, which is a, another challenge. And, and and when you have somebody who's got talent and is coachable, it's like gold. And you just can't wait to see it. It's so exciting. It's yeah. so exciting. And you groom them. And, and it's something that I, I got from my dad. My dad my dad knew how to pick them. And a lot of people, if you look at the team, I have a team called the World Pizza Champions. And, and I've had guys like Tony Triano or Scott Anthony, guys that come to me and they say, you know, how do you know how to pick these right guys? Because we have a group of people um, on the team that are are, are ages from at at one time, like 18 years old to almost 70 years old. I mean, like, but how do you make it all work? There's certain, it's always a team effort. And uh, in a restaurant, it's a team effort. It's not about one prima donna, unless you're by yourself and you're making your own pizzas and I'm doing 50 a night and that's it. But when it comes to a restaurant, it's the front of the house, back of the house, server, busser, bartender, bar back. When it comes to that and your, your kitchen, it has to be a team effort. It's very much like baseball. Not one guy is going to win win the World Series. It's, it's all about the team. So it's, it's important to understand that and the fundamentals and learning from each other and being able to want to learn and accept the learn. And I would rather not have the best player in the world on our team. I'd rather have people that work together and learn from each other because you become better. There you go. So, yeah, well, especially at that level, it's really a team game for sure. Uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to have a number of your protégés or people that you've coached, uh, some of the folks you've already mentioned. Uh, also, one of your other protégés, uh, Leo Spazzeri, is going to be on with us, yeah. who, who we love. And uh, uh, I, I, I haven't talked to him yet, but um, – I know that uh, right here in Charlotte, where I live, Charlotte, North Carolina, we have Siler Chapman, who's another one, almost like you're like a godson of yours, I feel like, you know. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of people out there who have been touched and influenced by you in uh, in so many ways. that And, and that legacy is, you know, really going to be as much a part of your legacy as the restaurants you've created. So, uh, you know, when I want to. And I, so that's why I feel like you belong in the pantheon of Yoda's. And we, I call it my Yodi panel, you know, so we want to get you back on later to have some little uh, Yodi discussions with some of our other yeah, definitely. Well, Leo has an amazing school, you know, it took him a while to figure out what he was doing. You know, he was a guy that kind of did everything, frozen pizzas, working for Giordano's. He, I mean, I, I, he was in my first course or second course that I ever certified. And yeah. now he's a master instructor. He has a school in Chicago, right, right outside of Chicago. And, and, and he did and it without so coming up through the restaurant route like you did. He, he did it more as from the, from the development side. Yeah, he was. He, he, he worked at a lot of different places. And I'm just glad he found his calling and, uh, and excited. And you think of Siler Chapman, you know, this, this, this 18-year-old kid that was trying to toss pizzas on a stage in New York. And he was a kid that, uh, I'm like, what is this guy doing at the time? I gave him my videos on how to toss pizzas. And I said, don't come back until you... It was so funny. CNN was there filming us. And he was the first guy on. And, and uh, Jeannie Most, or whatever that lady is on, 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 on CNN back in the day, she was there. She, she grabbed me. So you must have better people than this. And CNN's <laughs> yelling at me. And I'm like, you know, and I'm like, okay, Siler, uh, here's some videos. Learn how to throw. Get off the stage. Uh, okay, Joe Carlucci's next. Uh, Michael Shepard's next. Uh, right, right. George, I mean, there's there's funny funny things with him, and he's and I still consider him a kid. And he has, you know, and yet he's not a kid anymore. He's in his late thirties. He's got kids of his own, and yeah, he's still a kid. Tell him, Tony says he's still a kid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
And in fact, he, you know, now he, he's got his own uh, mobile wood fire oven that he calls the King of Fire. And he parks it right outside Johnson and Wales once a week and makes pizzas for all the people that, that work at the school and, it, and, and in the local businesses. Yeah, and he's actually killing it. In a time right now, the coronavirus is going on. You know, big restaurants are getting hurt. Slice yeah. house concepts are doing well. And these mobile kitchens that, uh, especially internal mobile kitchens, are doing actually better than external, meaning the yeah. ones that are like more enclosed. But he's yeah. going up to neighborhoods and he's killing it. And he's doing bigger volume than he ever has. So it's crazy right now on who's doing well, bigger numbers than they did same day sales years before versus uh, some of the guys that are just not even open. It's just, it's yeah, insane. We're hearing, right that. We're, we're hearing that from some people that are doing better and many who are struggling. I'm sure it's a bigger challenge for, for the large, like your large restaurant, like Pizza Rock in Las Vegas. That's got to be a bigger challenge to, to get through this, this period then maybe your slice shop, right? But how are you pivoting in each of these places to keep the doors open and keep the cash flowing? Yeah, it's a challenge right now. I have anywhere from a 900 square foot concept to 9,000 square foot concept. So the concepts that are doing well or better are the ones that are smaller, primarily to go and delivery. And my larger restaurants, you know, 180 seats, 40 seats at the bar are actually having some trouble. Um, Tony's right now is, is struggling we're about 45% uh, down uh, because it's hard to make up. You know, we turn tables nine to 10 times a day, almost every hour on the hour at Tony's. It's insane. We, we can service a thousand people for dining. So losing that component of that, you know, per day is, is actually been a, a big struggle. You know, How some of us the, have the alcohol and the bar sales too, right? Yeah. It's just everything, you know? And so it's, we are up in delivery to go. Uh, that's, of course, catapulted. But to make up for it, it hasn't been that strong. So I'm all over the place. I'm in stadiums. I'm in casinos. I have licensing. Uh, some are closed. Some are open. The bigger box ones could be down 50, 60, 40 percent. Uh, and then you have one that is doing bigger numbers than we did the year before. And we're closing at nine because now everything's a bedroom community. Everyone eats at the same time. Nobody's hanging out, bars and going out. So the pizzeria I started with called Paisano's back in the day, Castro Valley, suburb of San Francisco, yeah. bedroom community. We had that rush and everybody's getting killed right now. It's five o'clock, eight o'clock. You're getting pounded. Your phones are ringing off the hook. It's that everybody's a bedroom community now. Nobody's out late. So to handle that much volume right now at one time, if you're not used to it, you don't have four phone lines or three POSs that people can get on, then everyone's having is struggling right now. So most of my concepts can handle it, but are we working on getting better ordering systems to go packaging, everything like that? Yeah, we are building that side of the company quite a bit. Uh, well, I'm lucky that good. we already had that. I, I've talked to a lot of guys that do not have delivery, have never done to go. Those are the ones that are challenging for the pizzeria and operators right now. And in addition to your own restaurants, I know you're getting uh, deluged with calls from other operators who kind of look to you as as the uh, you know call, call Mr. Fix It guy, you know, and and, and asking for advice. And, and you're, so you're again back in the mentoring role, uh, helping your your colleagues get through this yeah. as well. 
I get calls all the time on just how to make a better pizza for delivery for Neapolitan. How do I get in the frozen pizza game right now? If you look at Gold Belly right now nationally and you go to goldbelly.com, you're seeing all these guys from uh, Prince Street Pizza. Now you see uh, Piazza Pizza now just got out in Arizona. Lou Malnati's, you know, Detroit style pizza company with Sean Randazzo. You see all these guys are on this. Uh, we were with Foodie Direct originally years ago uh, and then it went to Gold Belly. So we've been doing frozen pizzas for um, maybe seven years out of Tony's. That yeah. now has catapulted like Super Bowl Sunday. It was like, okay, when are you busy with frozen pizzas? Was the week of Super Bowl Sunday. Now, every day is like Super Bowl Sunday. So we're actually doing 90 pizzas a day, five days a week on just delivery nationwide frozen next day air. And it's how that, do that market. Tony, do you have like a blast freezer? Or how, you don't have they, a, uh, we do have a walk-in freezer, but we don't have a blast freezer like you should, but we do par-bake our pies, put them in the freezer, walk-in freezer. They freeze, we freeze them overnight. We put them in a, in a, uh, a sleeve type bag that we seal and then we pack them. Um, and we literally are, are, are rotating them the, the, the order before to get them done. And then we par-bake them and then we do it. I mean, it, that right there has been a challenge, but that's actually saved Tony's quite a bit. Now we have it for Pizza Rock, too, where you can get frozen pizza from Pizza Rock in Las Vegas. Everybody, I heard that that company is 1,300 restaurants in line. If you were to try to get in and say, God, I want to free do my frozen pizzas. We have a popular place in you know Michigan. They'll say, well, there's about 1,300 people in line right now. So I, I heard that it's big, but um, that actually helped me a lot. Uh, actually, some. So it's One great. thing that's so amazing about the 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 pizza operators is this is a very resilient group of people. The pizza business, I think, has probably responded uh, as about as well or maybe better than almost any other sector in the restaurant yeah. industry, in the hospitality industry. And um, and I know it's a challenge for everybody, and it's uh, and and the unknowns that are out there, and the fact that you're not only having to pivot once. But maybe every week you've got to make another adjustment because of the rules changing, and it's like it's 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 hard to keep up. And uh, I just hand hand it to everybody who's hanging in there and finding a way to work. Um, and I know that uh, you've been helping many of them. You're you know while you're also dealing with your own many. How many how many uh, locations do you actually have? Uh, right now as we speak we have close to 30 if you count the ballparks which none of those are open so if you look at the 49ers or you look at the Warriors and Giants uh, baseball we we um, we have about actually almost 30 concepts we have some growing into some other stadiums that mm, will happen eventually um, we have a lot of things that we're actually on hold now um, so a lot of things are just on hold and we're trying to maintain what we're doing um, right now. So it's, it's, it's a challenge right now uh, for me, honestly, you know, I, I wouldn't just come on here and just say, Oh yeah, everything's up. We're doing great. Some places are up and a lot of places are super down. And that whenever this does end or if it does plateau that we're able to uh, keep it going and, and we can work with our landlords even closer. Um, yeah. No, I mean, Will it be stronger to go on delivery for uh, for for a long time? I, I believe so. I believe that to go on delivery side of the restaurant equation and the restaurant business will be bigger than ever. And and I think that you'll see us trying to 
build those operations even stronger and more efficient. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a moving landscape. Uh, it's hard to predict the future in these kinds of things. But I think one of the things that you just pointed out is, is that some of the things that we've been forced to do to adapt to this new situation will continue on and maybe be game changers in the future as well. Uh, and how it affects the brick and mortar sit down restaurants to a certain extent probably remains to be seen. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. Well, I think that uh, I'd like to keep this conversation going and invite you to come back and, and uh, you know, do some more uh, sessions with us and maybe join uh, some of our other, uh, you know, Yodas and, and get you in conversations with the group as well. Uh, so I'm going to look forward to having you back as often as you're willing to come uh, and you can squeeze us in amidst everything else that you're doing. I totally appreciate that you've given us as much time as you have today. And uh, again, I want to just uh, thank you, Tony Gemignani, the uh, Mozart you. of pizza at Tony's Pizza, uh, Tony's Pizza Napolitana in San Francisco is where we filmed a lot of webisodes with you. We went out to the tomato fields yeah. with you and filmed that. So those who have not seen the, the episodes with Tony on Pizza Quest, go to our webisode section and, and, and uh, there's lots of nice, we cut them into nice short segments so that you can binge watch them whenever you want. And uh, Tony, as always, thank you. Keep up the great work and thank you for uh, actually sharing your journey. Uh, it's been fun to watch you and kind of chronicle your, uh, you know, it's like, this is like a Shakespearean epic. You as the, you know, from, from your own youth. I mean, I've known you from when you were just starting in the competitions to uh, and at Paisanos with your brother to now being said of the emperor of the pizza world. So again, well, thank, thank you. you. I'm so looking much. forward to uh, yeah getting on there with uh, John Arena, Joe DiMaggio of pizza, right? John Arena, <laughs> Spangler, right? Yeah. Spangler, the uh, can't wait to get on with those guys. Definitely, definitely, <laughs> we definitely want to have you on with them. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.